This is the podcast you wouldn't want to miss. Miss. Get your all-important dose of what's hot and what's not. According to Dino. Or maybe it's Doris and Dino. Oh, Who knows? Just listen, okay? Because this podcast will make you think or not entertain you and sometimes piss you off in any case it'll be interesting and dino or doris and dino will make you come back for more this is not bullshit this is the tearaway podcast thank you very much mr robin banks Let's get into it. Right. So it's been a while. I think the last one we did was in January and it's now July. So what have we had? We've had a war. We've had Grimsby Town's promotion to the second div back in the professional league again. Then what else have we had? Bought a house in Italy. Drove out to Italy. There's the story in itself. Something that I've been watching and I quite like the idea of is a program on Channel 4, The Great House Giveaway. Now, to me, that is a golden opportunity. Two people, or for those who don't know what the, the premise is, it's two people, they get taken to an auction and they bid on three houses. Whichever house they win, they then set a budget depending on what the value is refurbished and what the value is when they when they buy it and then they get a, a, a budget to do the house up two people two strangers never known each other they come on the show they get the house that they win they then have I think six months six months to get it all done but after three to four months you want it on the market for two months to be able to complete a purchase otherwise it goes back to auction now I watched one the other day and it was a 22 year old and a middle aged lady and they got this house in rugby the 22 year old who's a plumber or something electrician plumber something like that he just was there to do the work most days for whatever reason because his job allowed him to i'm not, I'm not sure he was 22 years old and he started taking decisions by himself to to buy a kitchen to plaster to do electrics to do the plumbing da, 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 da. and she, the lady felt that she couldn't be on site because he was doing everything himself without including her which is a bit shit because you're both in it to win the profit and and then you can spend it on a house for you for yourselves but if there's no profit you don't win anything then it's the production that loses money it's mad it's like to me i just it, it's a golden 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 opportunity it's just it, you, you, you're gonna get on the housing market ladder you know you would hope fifteen thousand profit each 30 grand profit you'd hope the lady walked off the show because she felt she couldn't get on with the young lad and then the young lad all of a sudden started to put his back right into it started to get all the things done and then all out of the blue he he doesn't go back to the house he doesn't answer any of the calls from the presenter the production team then have to come in with builders and they charge the production company to do the repairs that weren't done now the house it, it was missing electrics. They had a kitchen fitted. There was no electrics for the kitchen. There was no pipes for the radiators. This kid, 22-year-old, steaming on, getting everything done. He was glad that when she'd walked away. He didn't do what he was meant to do. 
and walked away from it. House went to auction. They'd spent a total of 175,000. That's including all the solicitors' fees, the mortgages, the council tax, the amount of money that they spent on the for their budget to do the works. He went 6,000 over as well. So they ended up spending something like 20,000 pound on the refurb. Mental, absolutely mental. Now, situations like this, if you get chosen by a production company to do something that you've clearly applied for, why would you be such a prick? Why would you be such a prick to force someone who's older and has got more life experience than you out of the thing you know is a joint thing? I don't get it. And then you start, oh, yeah, well, she's gone now, so I'm going to start putting them back into it and getting it all done. We did all that. We still fucked it up. Now you fucked it up for yourself and you fucked it up for her. You're 22 years of age. And while you might have a trade, my friend, you fucked it up. I don't get it. I do not get it. Life does not present these kind of opportunities every day where someone else is going to help you to get on the, on the housing ladder. To give you the opportunity to work for six months, to renovate your own house, and then you get to keep the profits once everyone else is paid. You're fucking stupid. That's what you are. You're stupid. Stupid. Absolutely fucking stupid. Anyway, that's just my take on the great house giveaway, Channel 4. Fucking stupid. That's what that guy is. What the social media shit? Find us on Twitter and TikTok at The Tearaway Podcast or on Facebook group page, The Tearaway. I'm going to chat with friends. And what I said was this. Men walk around with no tops on. That's acceptable. Obviously, in certain environments, it's not. But around the beach and everything else, men walk around with no tops on. Now, what is... The general rule for ladies who are very chesty and when they're hot. So when a woman is really chesty, she wears a bra, she wears a, a bikini, whatever, and that, that covers up the frontage. Now, if you've got... And if you look at the, the adverts you've got for the, the brave women who have fought battles of cancer, they're quite happy to show ladies with a front chest having obviously succumbed to cancer and had a, a, a breast removal. And that's all right. But if a woman who's flat-chested and has no sign of a frontage, would it be unacceptable for her to be topless? I don't get why... I don't get... I don't get I don't get it I don't get the argument just because of her gender she has to wear a top because we're males we don't have to wear a top yet we have the same nipple as a flat chested woman has a nipple she's expected to keep a top on I don't get that maybe someone would like to tell me why my thinking is wrong I don't get it and also what I don't get is all these adverts that are on TV have to have a white person a black person in all the adverts. So the couple has to be black and white. Why? I don't get it. I understand it has to include all of us, the rights 
of black people have been suppressed for so long. But I don't get why every single advert has to go down the line of, has to have a black person, has to have a white person. Just make the advert and concentrate on what the message is you want to, want to tell us. Because to me, you're trying to tell me that we're including a black person in it because they're going to be a token black person. So we're going to have a white person in because that's going to be the token white person in a predominantly black commercial. I don't get it. If it's meant to be black, make it black. If it's meant to be white, make it white. Make it all black, make it all white. Make it work for the product. Because you can't get that message across in the right context of what it's meant. Because one person is going to be a token, whether it be a Chinese person, an English person, a Scottish person, whatever, whatever race, you're not putting them in there because they belong. You're putting them in there as an afterthought. That's the bit I don't agree with. Wholeheartedly agree. Let's get all black families in there. Let's get all white families in there. Let's get all Chinese families in there. Let's get the things that we all can identify as. But don't make the commercial one of them wouldn't normally be in that situation. So therefore, we're going to put that person in. Like I say, this ain't about race. This ain't about colour. This is having a white person in a normal, a black... Like if he was doing a Caribbean chicken food, you wouldn't have a white person in there. My son loves Caribbean food. Loves it. Jerk chicken seasoning goes on. Oh, it's chicken when he's cooking chicken. I get it. I understand that. But predominantly, it's associated with Caribbean families. So don't stick a white person in there. We quite like having the Caribbean people, the African people, the Ghanaian people. We love that. This ain't about race. This is about making Uncle Ben's rice out of Uncle Ben's families, you know? And Robertson's jam. I had this conversation the other day. Why the fuck did they get rid of the fucking gollywalk? Oh, because in the 70s, families were racist. But now we're in the year 2022. Why can't we have that term as what it was intended? There's a gollywog on the jar, you collected it and you got tokens. Why does it have to become a sensitive word? I don't get it. Maybe you could, someone make me more aware. Someone e email me, theterrywaypodcast at gmail.com. Get me on the socials, Facebook, Dean Williams, or, or the group page, The Tearaway Podcast. TikTok, at The Tearaway Podcast. Twitter, at The Tearaway Podcast. Are we becoming too insensitive? Or have we gone the other way in being woke? I don't, I, I don't get it. And I know someone else who gets smashed, absolutely smashed. The guy who fights for all the people that have had injuries and suffer from being in the army. Jim Davidson. So anyway, you can go and have a look at Jim Davidson's charity page. It's the British Forces Foundation. Just another person who got cancelled. The Tearaway Podcast. No bullshit. No bollocks. No fucking idea. I'm doing a thing called You, Me and the Tea. 
and that is me on a golf course and 18 holes you will see me playing golf to come around my local golf course with me where I'm a member and what I do is I play in front of the cameras and answer questions so if the stroke index on the hole for me uh, playing off a yellow tee is a say seven it's the seventh hardest hole for me so as well as it being the seventh hardest hole I also will answer a question and something that I was saying when I was on the golf course the other day trying to explain something to someone I've lost everything through that's what I wanted I didn't necessarily need to be made homeless but I've lost everything now when I was trying to explain that to someone I was trying to say that when you lose everything material to you like to me everything that's material to me so I, I lose my my house i lose my possessions and you have hardship and you become homeless and you have nowhere to stay and you might sofa surf but what you do is you gain a valuable asset that valuable asset that no one seems to recognize is that you gain experience it's not a great experience what's happening is is your experience is playing out and it will end ultimately it will end so any hardship will end that will empower you to do things differently your experience will tell you one you don't want to get into that kind of a situation again for fear that you will lose everything or you will choose not to be part of a relationship again that has caused you to lose everything and therefore it will guide you these decisions will guide you in your life so you'll do things differently and you don't start with nothing because you always have these tools to do what you're doing quicker and easier next time and I can tell you, hand on heart, I've been there, seen it and done it. 250 quid in my hand. All I had was a pickup, black sacks, and stayed in my pickup for weeks. I was able to survive that. I, was, I didn't mind working all day and just putting my seats back in my pickup. I had a duvet. I was chilled. It was good. A place where I could go get a shower. This was temporary. Everything is temporary. Life is temporary. What's happening to you today is temporary. Tomorrow is the day you dreaded, which is going to come around anyway. So don't fear what's going to happen tomorrow. Just know that everything that you go through in your life is there for a reason. And like I say, the next time you fall on any hardship, you're not starting with nothing. You're starting with the experience you had of when this happened to you before this will then help you to make the decisions i'm not going to get into the all deep and all that kind of stuff because that's stuff that i'm going to save for you me and the team but i just want people to know and understand and those that have or feel that they have nothing every day you survive this you're building up your experience and as I've said, this is temporary. Having no home is temporary. Having no money is temporary. You might not be a millionaire. You 
you you might never ever be financially better off, but you're probably richer than other people in the way that you are, with your emotions, with your attitude, with how you are able to help other people. This is all things that people start to forget the more money they accrue. Okay? So, of course, this piece is not going to resonate with everyone because people are going to go, well, I'm, I'm all right. I've got two kids. I've got a wife. Been together 30 years, whatever. House is paid off. I've got no mortgage. We're just about to go into retirement. We ain't got a problem. You haven't got a problem right now, but there's nothing to say you're going to live your life without problems. And there are people that will be listening to this that are suffering. I just want to reach out to you and let you know I understand. I get it. I do get it. I've been there, seen it and done it. But I never turned to drink. You have to find a positive in everything that's negative. You have to find that. Don't give up the hope thinking this is going to be all bad. If you cannot control what you are worrying about, drop it. Like I was going to court this time last year. This time last year, I was booked in to go to Wimbledon Magistrates, charged with driving without due care and attention and also injuring myself. That's what I was charged with. And it, the, the, the sentence was shit, absolutely shit. And I've got a terrible record driving as well. But I couldn't control what the judge was going to say. So therefore, I wasn't worried about it. I paid a lot of money for a barrister and a legal team. But I couldn't control what they were going to say. I could only give my statement and the rest I couldn't worry about. If I was going to go to prison for it, if I was going to be banned from driving for it, there's nothing I could control. I just had, I had to adapt to the circumstances that I would have been then faced with. And it's that simple because I'm not going to waste part of my life worrying about something that I have got no control over and neither should you. And also don't fear what's in front of you. Take it in your stride. Because there's only 24 hours in a day, so whatever is happening will end the next day and you'll start the next day and it'll be another process of how you're going to cope, what you're going to do, how you're going to find positives, and it all starts again. You're stronger than what you think you are. The human body is resilient, absolutely. Stronger than anything, any component that man can, can make. You are strong. Remember that. Went a bit off then. Start off on one thing and then I end up going through another conversation that I was not meaning to do. But anyway. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. The Tearaway Podcast with Doris Daly and Dino. One of the questions that I get asked is why am I podcasting and do I make money? The reason I podcast is I have complete control over what is said. I don't have a director. I don't have a producer. I haven't got lines. Um, I don't have a script. What I do have is I have production notes. I've worked in TV and film for 12, 12 years, from an extra to being a professional actor and going on a film set and having my own trailer. It's just, that's the nature of the job when you have a, a fantastic agent. Then also being a best-selling author added to what I was doing in film and TV. So I've managed to meet quite a lot of people through the years that have helped me understand what it takes to write, 
to produce, to direct. But also I've met some fantastic actors along the way as well. So yeah, so I do not get paid. I do not get paid one iota. I could do very easily. I could speak to some brands and get them to inv get involved with me. When we did my book launch, John McDonald and myself, I got us a sponsorship with Roman Abramovich and another Russian supplied all the vodka and we had the book launch at 21. So my friends were invited. We had a special guest list of 100 people and that's what, what you do. You, you, you choose to go down the marketing route and with the marketing you're advertising a brand for someone in return for probably get 15 quid after so many views 30 quid 100 quid after a thousand views or downloads or whatever just didn't need it did not need to do it all the the branding for this i do and because i own the rights to the tearaway i can use the tearaway cover not that i do tend to use the fonts of of the tearaway like the color branding that's what i'd kind of do so yeah don't make no money from this at all this is all because i like to create i'm not so great behind a camera and i'm not so great in front of a camera but what i can do is i can talk um, when i do you me and the tea I'll be in front of the camera and all the people that have acted with me and, and when I started first started off, I was working with um, Paul McNeely who was helping to train me. He never really understood that I was nervous, like sick before I'd gone on stage um, at the Camden Theatre. So just knowing that I was filming the next day, um, as I was being taught to act by Paul McNeely, it just, I would get drunk and the night before and turn up hungover. It was just every, it, it was like being in a car crash. And someone saying at four o'clock on Sunday, you're going to be in a car crash. You knew it was coming, you knew what was going to happen. And it, I just never responded well to it. I'm terrible with nerves. I will fuck up my auditions because my nerves get the better of me. And I've never been one to be able to harness nerves and make the nerves work for you. I didn't get that part in EastEnders, didn't get the bit in Hollyoaks, didn't get the bit in Emmerdale, didn't get the bit in Coronation Street, didn't get the bit in Doctors and this, that and the next thing. I didn't get it because my, my nerves are just terrible. Never made a good actor. That's kind of my background into why I'm doing podcasts and why I've got a, why I've got a background and why I can say that I can podcast and why I can go and do it and what is the purpose of me doing it. This, this is all why. I'm very good at being creative. I can write. I can write great stories for film and for TV. But what I can't do is I'm just shit at acting. I just really am shit at acting. And I'd rather do the creative side, like making a podcast. I'd rather get interesting people or people I can have a laugh with. Doris Daly, fantastic. Um, John McDonald, fantastic. Um, I'd rather do that than act or make out I can act or whatever I've just been very fortunate over 12 years to have done some fantastic jobs and been given the the opportunity to experience what it's like being in, in large budget productions as well it's not something that I'm pursuing now I am 
quite happy with my life in Italy, my life in England, and then podcasting. Your favorite podcast is here. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. Follow on Apple Podcasts. The Tearaway Podcast with Doris Daly and Dino. Going into something that I was talking to someone about the other day, it um, it amazes me. It just just made me think. So when men go through breakups um, with partners, what tends to happen, and the same thing that has been said to me over and over again from both sides, the, the male and the female in the relationship, the TV. TV has to go. The TV doesn't stay with the house that it belonged to. Why do men do that? I've personally never done it. The man loses the TV, like a 60-inch Samsung curved 3D, UHD, 4K, whatever it is, loses it. Now, not only that, I hear the other side where the man goes, well, no, fuck it, I paid 600 quid for that, 800 quid, a grand, whatever. It's coming with me, isn't it? She ain't having it. And you've got the kids who can't watch fuck all on TV because it's been taken, but the bloke's living in a two-bob fucking bedsit somewhere, a load of skagheads. But he's got a TV. He's got nowhere to fucking play it, nowhere to hang it. It's too fucking big for his car. He's got to get a van in hired for a, for a day to get it just the fucking no. Why do men feel the need that they have to take the TV? Gay Barry, the builder, Baldy, he took his TV, sound system, took a fucking lot, took the bed. What is one of the weirdest things that you've taken? And I'll tell you, honestly, in one of my relationships, the one thing that I wanted, which I was never allowed, and I had to get my son to nick it for me, was a knife sharpener. Now, I'm talking about the knife sharpener that you see in the kebab shops. You know, the long poly thing, and you strike the knife either side of it. That. I wanted that. Now, the relationship I was in at the time wouldn't let me have it. I didn't care for the TV. I didn't care for the table. I didn't care for the bed that I'd paid for. I didn't care for all the thousands of pounds that I put into the relationship over the period of time. I just wanted the fucking knife sharpener. That's all I wanted. Knife sharpener. Listen. I've lived in some fucking fucked up places. One of my relationships used to change locks, so I used to have to sleep in the pub car park. It got that fucking frequent that Carol, bless her, used to go upstairs, get the duvet off her, one of the beds in the pub, send it down to me, then that would be my duvet. I'd be in a transit van sleeping in the pub car park for a week. Go and find showers at friends' houses. It was just a fucking nightmare. That's the struggles of relationships. Just come home, lock don't work, your key don't work. Fuck it, I'm going down the pub. That's the shit that I've had to put up with. I couldn't fucking fit a TV in. I would, nor would I take a TV with me just for the sake of saying, I've, well, fuck it, I've got the TV now. I don't get it. It's weird. Yeah, relationships. What's, what's one of the weirdest things you've had to take from a relationship? 
Gotta be some weird things out there, aren't there? Weird, more weirder than fucking TVs. I think it's just a standard thing in relationships. Fuck it. I, I'm, right, you're sleeping with my best mate. I'm gonna leave. You can have the fucking kids. I'm taking the TV. Fuck it. I don't care. I'm fucking taking that TV. It's gotta go, isn't it? TV and the surround system and the fucking remotes. So that's what you need to do, girls. If you're going through a breakup, Hide the fucking remotes. Make sure he don't get the remotes. Or if you're leaving and you've got to leave your TV, take the fucking remotes. Nothing they can do about it. It's got to be worth a go, isn't it? Let me know. Uh, you can get me on the socials, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. Email me. Tearawaypodcast at gmail.com. TikTok. Uh, the Tearaway Podcast at the Tearaway Podcast. Twitter, at the Tearaway Podcast. Quite simple, quite easy. Get in touch. And if you want me to talk about something, or you want my view on something, or you want me to give you relationship advice, get in touch. I'm here to help. This is nothing without you. This is this is what I'm doing for you. And one of my friends, she's asked me, she's asked me, to put it out there, she wants to date someone. She would like to date a man. Now, this girl goes by the name of Louise or Lou Munson. And she's looking for guys around about 25 to 30, no older than 30. Um, she likes them thick and stupid and very young, naive. Um, and she'd like to uh, she'd like to hook up with you. So any guys out there between the ages of 25 and 30, thick as shit, live in Grimsby, though. Auckland, Forbes, Humberston, Tetney, surrounding areas. She's uh, She can't drive, so you'd have to pick her up as well. She fancies dating. She wants to get back into the world of dating. She's taking ointment, applying that twice a day in the hope of finding a very virile young stud. Um, so you'll only have to pick off a few scabs because it's been a few years apparently. So she was telling me the other day, bless her. Um, but anyway, don't let that put you off. Yeah, Louise Munson. Should I give you a phone number? I should do really, shouldn't I? Right, just bear with me a minute because I have to... Go down my phone. Hang on a minute. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Oh, oh a double seven three six double one oh nine eight seven. Now you can also get her on Facebook. And if you put this in, Louise dot Munson dot five in. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Louise.munson.5. You get her on Facebook. So you can actually, you can stalk her, see what you like and what you don't like, and then just arrange a date. You can email into the show. You can you can let me know, get me on the socials. Dean Williams on Facebook, Twitter, at the Tearaway Podcast, TikTok. TikTok, oh, what a place, at the Tearaway Podcast. And email me, and email me at the Tearaway Podcast. 
you can do all of that. Now, I never thought I'd be a dating show, but I did say to Louise that I would help her out. I mean, she has asked on several occasions, and it's been it's been a while since I did the last show, so, yeah. Your favorite podcast is here. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. Follow on Apple Podcasts. The Tearaway Podcast with Doris Daly and Dino. Colchester. I was working in Burger King, 62 quid a week, 30 hours a week. And that's probably why I like Burger King so much. Not so much now that I've stopped doing mustard. And for those who have listened to the other podcasts that I've done, the only way you can eat a Burger King is a double Whopper with cheese with just ketchup, onion, mustard and mayo. You can't have anything else in it. It's disgusting. And what you do is you open it up and you put the patty on top of the cheese and the onion and the mayo and the tomato. Ketchup. Uh, and that's the best way you can eat it. And uh, so what I did was I did... I did... Uh, I did about six or eight months there. And what happened was, was my, my partner at the time, um, we broke up. I was living in student accommodation. She was at Col- uh, Colchester University. And uh, she broke up with me. We broke up several times. There was nothing there. So in my self-destruction phase, put all the sad songs on, move into another student digs and work at Burger King and drink a litre of vodka every single day, take a week off work, drown your sorrows, look for your answers in the in the in in an empty bottle. It makes you feel good at the time because you're spending the time that you're awake still pissed, getting pissed. You go to sleep, you wake up pissed, carry on. Self-destruction. Um, I then looked for a job, ended up working for Harringay Council. Harringay Council, moved down to Balham, lived with my uh, my mum's former partner. In London, he'd moved from Grimsby or Humberston, where we were living. He moved down before I did. I, I went to Colchester, he went to Balham. I then rang him up, said, what's happening? He said, oh, I'm opticians in Balham, I've got a flat. I said, oh, fuck's sake, uh, I've got a job in Harringay. So I ended up sleeping on Sandy's floor for a long time and when I say a long time I mean a long time and what I did then was I was working for Tottenham Council ended up making friends with everyone who, who used to drink in the pubs so me and Sandy was drinking together we then gets introduced to a load of people I'm always attracting people lunatics usually God puts one down on, on earth and says right you must go and find Dean it's usually their life mission to come and find me so a space cadet could be walking past and like magnets are magnetized to north and south. Space cadets just come and find me. They just they just find me. I don't know why. It's just something that's always happened. And um, I had Barbara, I had Barbara. I used to call her Bandit. And everyone used to ask why. And she had one arm. So I used to call her Bandit. One arm Bandit. There's Babs, there's Jimmy, there's Paddy, there's Tom, one eye Tom. We kind of like formed a, a little social group and we used to drink, 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 drink. So if we finish work at two o'clock in the afternoon, straight in the boozer at three, get the tube back to Balham, straight in the boozer, thrown out at half 11, lock in maybe till three, go to work at seven, six in the morning, get sacked after about six weeks. But we used to live, we used to work to drink. So if we had about a thousand pound in the bank, we'd use that, take four weeks off, and would go and drink 
just drink all around Streatham, Ballam, Clapham. There was a time I was with a black guy called Rob. Great, great bloke. We was in a booze having, having a drink in Tooting. And um, we just gets we just gets the map out. I think it was on a beer map. And I just I goes to him, right, just I'll turn this beer mat around. You shut your eyes, and wherever you put this pin, that's where we're gonna go on the piss today. He was like, "What? I can't. We can't just go. That's, look, we'll just get a train. Wherever we end up, we we'll get, get a train." Brighton. We got a fucking train to Brighton. We went to a Chinese all-you-can-eat, and we got thrown out because we ate more than what they said we could eat. And then we went down to the beach. We then set a task to each other, and that was to swim out to the boys. Now, if you look at, if anyone goes down to Brighton and looks for the boys, and I don't mean that in a camp way, I mean the boys, the buoys, as the Americans say, the buoys, the boys, orangey things, floaty up and down things, right? If you look at them, you could throw a stone and hit them. The dare was, we had to swim to it. I lost the bet. I had to swim to it, took all my gear off, swam out. I must have been 15 minutes. Now, I was pissed. All I remember was I had stomach cramp, my legs had cramp. It felt like I'd been in there for three weeks and I was doing a fucking channel crossing. I was fucked. And the only thing I can remember is I think I was waving at Rob. All I was really doing was I was treading water. Now, when I did that at school, I had a pair of pyjamas, you blow the fuckers up, you tie the ends off and you fucking float with them. I had nothing, I was start bollock naked. And as I was waving at Rob, I then looked to where the boys were. And it was still another fucking three days until I was going to get to the first fucking boy. But I swear to God, when you're on that beach and you look at it, it looks like it's just a fucking stone throw away. Anyway, carried it on swimming the fucking channel i think i invented swimming the channel i carried on cracked on doing it keep going then before i knew it an oar was on my head and i don't mean like someone that you'd meet at like soho or bribe square or in the red light districts of paris not a dirty oar an oar an oar or a hooar an oar and it was a fucking lifeguard. So when I was waving, obviously I've triggered something and someone's gone 999 Coast Guard or come down, someone's come out in a fucking life crafty thing and um, tried to pick me up and I go, whoa, 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 mate, I've got to get to the fucking boys because this is part of a bet. And he's going, get up here, mate. It's like a fucking Australian or New Zealand or whatever you want to call it. So I was trying to tell the guy it was a bet. And he was having none of it. He was going, you need to get on the on, on, onto the back of this. You need to hold this on. And you need to pull yourself up and get onto this rafty thing. And I was just like, mate, mate, I don't, I just don't want, I'm get, I've got to get to that boy down. I've got to get back because I'm going to lose the bet. And he goes, mate, I think you need you need to look at, at where your mate is, mate, because he ain't near. And what you going to do for clothes? I'm like, what you, I've got all my clothes there. My mate Ginger Rob is over there. He's got them all. And mate, I'm telling you now, you've got no clothes and you've got no ginger mate. Fucking joking. I'm like, I'm what, fucking 30 miles out at sea, and this life crafty bloke thing is telling me I've got no clothes, no ginger rob. I've looked around, no ginger rob. But what I can see where the fucking railings are at the top, where the road is, fucking ginger rob. Waving me fucking jeans in the air and me boxer shorts. Oh, for fuck's sake, Rob. So, anyway, I said to the guy, now, listen, I'll be all right. I'll swim back. Like, obviously, he thinks that I'm not going to do this bet. But anyway, that was just one of the 
things we did stupidly when we were young. Yeah, I ended up going back to the beach and uh, Rob wouldn't give me my fucking clothes back, so it was quite embarrassing, but then I was so pissed that I didn't really care and I just ended up walking around the beach and he left the sock on the sign and I had to put the sock on my willy and my balls and I was running around a cobbled beach asking for me clothes and Rob thought it was quite hilarious. He'd throw a bit here, throw a bit there, throw a bit there. We had no towels, fuck all. It was very, very poorly thought through, but I lost the bet. This episode of the Tearaway Podcast has just ended. But we know you'll be back to listen to more conversations between Dino or Doris and Dino. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episode. Thank you for listening.